Hello, and welcome to Sunday We'll All Be Dead, a podcast where we talk about all the things with a social work perspective. I'm your host, Hallie Harris, and I'm a hospice social worker. And today I have Matt with me again. Hello. And we are going to focus today's episode on criminal justice discrepancies. We're going to talk about two cases in particular um, for examples, but the overarching theme is how very discrepant the, the social justice system is overall, um, and especially compared to these two cases, and also the value of social justice for social work. It's two different cases, completely different outcomes, but they both seem to have been, they got it wrong, it seems like. <laughs> yeah, in both cases. Yeah, social justice reform, criminal justice reform is imperative. Um, there's really not much better example, I don't think, than these two. I'm sure there are many examples, but these two are pretty easy to see what's going on. So today we're going to talk about the case against Adnan Syed and the case against Shane Ragland. So we'll get into what each of those are. If you haven't heard of them before, you know what both of these are. And we just Familiar. saw the, uh, I think it was a Dateline special on... Uh the Shane Ragland, mm-hmm. where it was a University of Kentucky football player. Well, we'll get to him second, if okay. Uh, that's okay. Well, we can start with him if you'd rather, but in my notes I have Adnan first. Let's do it then. <laughs> uh, so, Adnan Syed, if you haven't heard of him before, if you haven't heard of this case before, you may be living under a rock. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, Baltimore. It is a case in Baltimore. It was made more famous nationally by the podcast Serial, which came out in 2014. It was hosted by Sarah Koenig, and they have since had three more seasons covering different things, Um, but Adnan's case was the very first one. This covers the 1999 murder of Heyman Lee. It left, Serial anyway, left listeners to decide for themselves. Um, it really didn't... It was mostly informational and not too biased. I mean, it felt like it was biased, but... Well, I think after the rest of what we're going to talk about, it, looking back on it, it feels more biased than it did when you first heard it. Right. So in 2016, Adnan's friend and basically older sister uh, by proxy, uh, Rabia Chowdhury, she wrote Adnan's story in response to Serial. So she's been an advocate for him um, pretty much since the beginning. She is a lawyer. She wasn't at the time. I think she was actually in law school yeah, at the time. Yeah, she was in law school. Uh, but her, I think, younger brother was good friends with Adnan, and they were in the mosque together. and They were all really close. Yeah. Uh, and then in 2017, Rabia, along with a few other people, namely Susan Simpson and Colin Miller, started the Undisclosed podcast, and the very first season was all about Adnan. And in that case, they kind of took the serial approach but got much more specific. Um, they were really in the weeds with Undisclosed. Did you, I don't, you were listening to Undisclosed, right? Yeah, they uh, had the, um, can't think of the name of the group right now, but... Uh, the ones that fight for, for that Innocence Project? Innocence Project, mm-hmm. yes, thanks. Yeah, so they did much more in-the-weeds detail about very specific points in the case rather than the overarching themes of the case. So Serial 
took a more broad approach, whereas Undisclosed took each little detail and kind of broke it down into chewable pieces, I think. And yeah. also... It was really a timeline, too. I mean, I guess... Yeah. It, yeah. So. It was definitely a timeline. And, you know, of course, it was more biased because... This is a family friend. She's advocating for his innocence. She believes him to be innocent. Well, and he was willing to uh, interview with her over the phone on a fairly regular basis when Heyman Lee's family doesn't want anything to do with talking to anyone about anything. Really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hay, def- Hay's family definitely, um, you know, believes that Adnan is guilty and they're upset about the subsequent um, appeals and whatnot. And understandable. I mean, they lost a daughter, and... They felt like justice was served, and has been. Yeah. Uh, So, in just this March 2019, HBO had a special, a four-part special, called The Case Against Adnan Syed. And uh, this particular four-part series really did kind of a visual undisclosed podcast, but then got even more information, because they were able to get some people to talk that had been witnesses and more specialists on lividity and the turf under the car and the timeline, the school records, all these kind of things. And I'm not going to get into all the details. I mean, the case against Adnan could be an entire, I mean, obviously has been the subject of two different podcasts and I cannot do it justice nearly as much as what's already been done. So please take those references if you want to know more about Adnan and his case. But the, by the end of Undisclosed and by the end of the HBO specials, I think anyone not related to the case, just watching the evidence, could easily conclude that there's not even a way possible that it was him. Yes, there's zero physical evidence to prove that he was the person who did any of it. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's all just... It all was decided by uh, testimony. Yeah, it was a particular, particularly one person testifying, and that since has had many problems with the police and their involvement in that testimony and all kind of other things. Um, in between all of these different podcasts and HBO specials have been uh, appeals, and his conviction was overturned. Then it was just very recently reinstated, and it's just been a real emotional roller coaster. Um, but there's just no evidence. There's no evidence, and Anon is innocent, and he's been in jail for 20 years. This year is 20 years. And just found out that his mother has leukemia. <laughs> yeah. To make everything that much worse. Devastating. And honestly, it's nice to hear, you know, every time we, we see a little bit more from Rabia or the team. They never let it be forgotten that Hay is the center of this. Yes, Adnan has been sitting in jail for a crime that he didn't commit. But more importantly, Hay's real killer has not been brought to justice because the focus of Maryland and the police department there have been completely on Adnan and will not look into any other um, circumstances or possible suspects. So ultimately, Hay hasn't gotten justice either, and it's just not... It's not right. So ultimately, that's what we have to say about Ednan and his case. He's been in jail for 20 years for a crime that is basically impossible for him to have commit, been committed. 
then the other case is Shane Ragland. Now, Shane was accused, accused and basically confessed to the murder, as you were saying, of a University of Kentucky football player named Trent DiGiuro, D-I-G-I-U-R-O. Trent was shot at a party while he was just sitting at the front on the front porch. Sounds like he was by himself um, and was shot. And the episode of Dateline, it was 2019. It was titled The Motive. And the case was investi- investigated. They believed that it was a rifle shot like a sniper, if I'm remembering. Because there was no witnesses. There was a bunch of people that were still at the party and no witnesses to the actual crime. And the, the case ended up going cold. It did go cold for six years. Uh, and then an ex-girlfriend of Shane's sees the story. I think she saw a poster um, about Trent's murder. The family had been putting up posters saying, don't forget, his, his killer hasn't been brought to justice. And just trying to figure out if there's any other information um, available. So she sees this. And she remembers that when they very first met, I want to say the very first day they met in the bar. Do you remember? I think that, yeah, they were... Um, Within a week had, or so? Well, they were talking about how she loved him at that point. So they had known each other for a little while before mm. that. Well, anyway, mm. he had said, um, they were talking about what's the worst thing that you've ever done. And he told her at that time, which was, you know, years before... Oh yeah, now I yeah, I remember he now. He said I killed someone. They were in I, fact I think he said I killed he might have said I killed Trent at that time. They were at the point in the relationship where she says, All right, let's get it all out. Right. Yeah, okay. Right. So uh she remembers this and she's scared of him because she's seen his temper. She's seen him kind of get out of control. And she wanted to just give an anonymous source, but that wasn't enough for the police to arrest him. And they get her to agree to talk to him while she's wired up, which she's terrified of, of course. Um, She doesn't get him to say, literally, I killed Trent. But basically, he implements, he he implicates himself. And, you know, he even says to her, you're not trying to set me up, are you? Which, to her credit, I don't know how she continued this conversation and stayed calm, because I would have been freaking out at this (laughs) point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and either, even former friends, former classmates um, were able to give a motive about him being kicked out of the fraternity. And it was three years prior. So. Yeah. And uh, he was so upset about it. It festered. And, yeah. Three years prior to the murder, I should say, is when he got kicked out of the fraternity. Let's, let's just add the fact that um, I don't know if it matters much, but he had influential, wealthy parents. Oh, <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> So, yeah, he went to jail for one month, and his business daddy bailed him out for on a $1 million bond, and part of that was because he was allowed to have bail. Now, part of the whole problem with Anand's case was, even though he was 17, and the court or whoever messed up the paperwork and said he was 18, and... Yeah, so, well, I think I wrote that down later in my notes. But so many other problems. Ednan was not allowed to have bail. This guy... They wouldn't even let him talk to his lawyer. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, go back and watch the things. It's just infuriating. (laughs) Um, But he wasn't even allowed to have bail. This guy gets out on a million-dollar bond. 
in 2002, he's convicted, Shane is, and sentenced to 30 years. P.S. Adnan got life plus 30 years with no evidence. This guy gets only 30 years with basically a, com- a confession. And then only three years later... I the, thought it was, was it three? I thought it was five. Well, according to Murderpedia, oh. which is a thing. Uh, three years later... Murderpedia. Then, <laughs> it's a thing. Uh, the court overturned uh, his conviction because of questionable ballistics evidence. I don't know what specifically that was, but they did talk about it on the Dateline episode that there was some question about whether... You know, whatever kind of testing they used, whether it was accurate or not, for the bullets that they found um, oh, in that's Trent. Right. The versus, FBI flubbed it up. Yeah. Well, and did they? I don't know. But the court at the time felt they did. And once they did that, then in 2006, which was only four years total, he was again able to give another million dollars and have bond and get released pending his new trial. Again... Adnan's conviction was overturned, fairly, and he did not allow, you know, get be allowed to get out of jail. He yeah. had to continue to sit there while his appeals were being processed, even though they overturned his, his conviction. Because Baltimore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because Maryland. Anyway, yeah. I think it was state at that point, but yeah. yeah. So 2007, uh, Shane was offered a deal where he pled guilty to manslaughter and got time freaking served time served he served four years in jail admitted to doing it because he did it and served four years then in 2008 the parents filed a wrongful death suit against him the jury awarded a million a 63 million dollar award to trent's family which of course they haven't seen i'm sure it's going to be appealed until everyone's dead and they'll never see any of that money. Not that it would bring their son back. But, you know, he definitely did it. And he's free. Now, there's a little bit of karmic retribution. We saw that uh, from a drunk driving accident, he hit a telephone pole and he's in a wheelchair now. But he's alive. He only served four years. And he shot someone in the head for getting kicked out of a fraternity. In a wheelchair, but not in jail. So Not in jail. So, what are the differences? Well, first of all, they were in different states. So Adnan's case was in Maryland. Shane's case was in Kentucky. Let's not let the obvious difference go by that Adnan is brown and Shane is white. So let's not mince words here. White privilege is real, especially in the criminal justice system. And the communities were different. Shane's father was a wealthy white businessman. Adnan is Muslim. And though he was born and raised in Baltimore, he was, quote-unquote, a flight risk because he had an uncle in Pakistan and the prosecutors tried to tell everybody that they could make people disappear. And they could just go to the embassy and, yeah. Hello, xenophobia. He wasn't going anywhere. He'd never gone anywhere. He was a high school student, for crying out loud. Yeah. Ridiculous. And that was one of the reasons they gave for not giving bail or not wanting him to have bail. I mean, just ridiculous. And it's all about the xenophobia all through the trial. They tried to use honor killing as a motive, even though by everyone's account from that time, he was just a normal teenage boy. He might have had a little bit more restriction on, 
you know, not having girls over at the house. But he was on the phone. He was going to the mall. He was smoking weed. He was just a kid. He had a lot of friends, and they all said they got the wrong guy because there's no way this guy did it. Because no he way. didn't do it. <laughs> and, you know, another, another difference really is public awareness. Um, both of these cases made national news. And the only real reason that Adnan has this immense crowdsourcing detective agency at this point um, to really make up for his ineffective assistance of counsel during trial, which was more and more ridiculous the more you learn about the details of it, uh, that Rabia, Rabia is the main defender and family friend. She's loyal and she's a believer in truth and justice. She wants Hayes' killer to be caught and she wants Adnan to be free because that's what the justice system is supposed to be. So I think it's important to think about the takeaways of these two cases because like I said in the beginning, it's, it's not really about these two cases. If, you know, what happened to Adnan can and has happened to thousands, if not tens or hundreds of thousands of people. I mean, there's a reason there's an innocent pro- Innocence Project. There's a reason that a bunch of states recently have stopped or postponed the death penalty because we don't know how many people have actually been executed that were innocent. I mean, I do remember, I can't remember the name of it, but you remember that one guy that we saw? I think it might have been a Dateline or a... Uh, what's that show on? The victim's HLN? mother uh, did some detective work by herself and got his DNA or got followed some guy, tracked him down and got his <laughs> DNA. Yeah. That the, was to convict one, somebody, but... Well, that was a different one, but um, <clears throat> the one I'm thinking of is the guy that went to jail for 16 or 20 years because he had gotten in a fight with his wife. He had walked to the grocery store, and the time that he walked to the convenience store and back, someone else had come in, beat her and raped her, and she had some brain damage. Well, she said it was him, but all she ever saw was a shadow in the doorway, and she had brain damage from the, the attack. And it was proven later through DNA that it wasn't him. That's right. I yeah. think that might have been the one where he was like, he. there was someone in jail she figured out that might have been the actual guy that was in the same cell block as him. Right. And he snuck out his DNA. He got a cigarette butt and mailed it. Yeah. yeah. That is just incredible. So this is not exclusive to a non... Was it a straw? I can't remember either way. Yeah. yeah. I think it might have been a cigarette butt. But it's definitely not exclusive to a non. It's not exclusive to Shane to get away with things. I mean, this happens every day. So we are in desperate need of criminal justice reform. Let's try to get our facts straight before we use our jump to conclusions, Matt. <laughs> well... And it goes to show you, if you can if you can pay for a great lawyer, your odds are way better. Yeah, if if you have a bunch of money to put up bail, your your odds are way better. I mean, we've seen a lot of that happening recently, where there's these funds for different cities for people to be able to pay bail because even on something smaller, not even a murder charge, but um, you know, different kind of of things that people are trying to being tried for. They're having these bails that are just ridiculous, and there's no way they could pay them. And they're, and they're not innocent until proven guilty in that case. They're suffering in jail, and it's not even a violent offense, and it's because they can't afford bail. Yeah, and uh, Adnan's, I remember Adnan's lawyer was a, uh, recommended to them and was like, came 
highly recommended. Yeah. But it just so happens she was at a crossroads in her life and she was her health was declining and she had more going on in her personal life than any need to help at non side. Yes, absolutely. So it was definitely uh, a challenge there. Yeah, if you uh if you want to be enraged by the criminal justice system, watch any of those things on Adnan, especially the HBO special. Yeah. Um, tell your representatives, you know, both state and federal, that this is important to you. Trust me that it does not just happen to brown people, but it certainly is disproportionate. The penalties are disproportionate. Between the states is disproportionate. Between white people and people of color. And communities in poverty. I mean, all of these things are a testament to the fact that we need criminal justice reform desperately. And aside from prisons being privatized, which is a whole other issue, um, and not having real plans in prison for things like, you know, training and mental health and actual things that will help the recidivism rate, not just, not just being punitive. But what's the point of putting someone in prison? It's that, you know, eventually they're going to get back out into the public. And do you really want them worse off and even in a worse state before they went to prison? Or do you want them to have atoned for their crime and then come out and be a productive member of society? That's not going to happen if all you want to do is throw them behind bars with other violent offenders. And that's assuming they're guilty for crying out loud. It's designed to be the greatest justice system in the world, and it could be, but it's not the same everywhere you go, and it's not exactly fair. Yeah, and, you know, look at look at your judges on the ballot. Take it seriously. They all have track records, and they're voted in. If you don't like the job that they're doing, or, you know, you don't think they're doing a good job, vote for someone else. Lobby for someone that you feel is going to represent your interests. If you don't take any action to fix this, it's just not going to get fixed. It's going to go on the back burner like everything else, and nothing will get done. That's probably why this is so important to me, because as a social worker, I have to advocate for these kind of things. I have to advocate them not only because it's in my ethical code, but it's part of my being. I need to seek justice, whether it's for myself or for someone else. So if you want to keep up with Adnan, plenty of ways to do that. You can always uh, donate to his legal defense. There are plenty of different legal defense funds you can donate to that are not uh, client specific, but they're for things like the Innocence Project. You can write to your Congress people, senators, local, state, federal, whoever, and just get out there, be an advocate. Final thoughts? Pay attention to what's going on. Yeah. And, and it doesn't have to be that it's just affecting you. You know, just because it's not you or your friends or your family doesn't mean it's not detrimental to society at large. So try to put yourself in other people's shoes and understand where, where that's coming from and how it's affecting people. It's helpful to be able to see things from other people's perspective. Well, that concludes this episode. Um, I'm sure we'll do more in the future about criminal justice reform. There's plenty to be said about it, that's for sure. If you would be so kind as to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast so other people can find us, you can email us if you have any comments or questions at contact at willallbedeadpodcast.com. You can find us on Facebook at Someday Will All Be Dead. 
And you can find us on Twitter at SomedayDeadPC. So do something that matters. Make a difference in the world. Because someday we'll all be dead. Thank you.